Salofalava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up, a bill looks to address dawn raids linked injustice, or so. For the sixth time, Fiji are Pacific Nations Cup champions. Rugby teams are now counting down the weeks to the World Cup. And later... Probably a lot of those colder temperature extremes do happen from time to time during El Nino years. Unusual drop in temperatures recorded in the Pacific, causing some people to wear puffy jackets. There's a piece of legislation looking to fix a 40-year-old outcome of the anti-Pacific racism of the Dawn Raids era. Green Party MP Tia Nautuyono's Restoring Citizenship, Removed by Citizenship, Western Samoa Act 1982 bill, would restore the right to New Zealand citizenship for people from Samoa, who were born between 1924 and 1949. A right promised to them and found owed them by New Zealand's then highest court. In 1982, the Muldoon government pushed through the Citizenship Western Samoa Act to deny New Zealand citizenship to Samoans. In 2003, during the second term of the Helen Clark-led Labour government, a petition with more than 90,000 signatures calling for the 1982 laws repeal was presented to Parliament. No action was taken by the government. Johnny Blaze from the House caught up with Toyono in Samoa last month to talk about his bill, which he said he put in the ballot after the dawn rates apology in 2021. There was a couple of things that I think needed to, to, to happen uh, in order for that apology to be more meaningful. So the first thing was an amnesty for overstayers. That was definitely something that people were calling for because um, saying that the Dawn Raids thing was happening way back when and somehow magically stopped is just not true. What we heard, found out this year, is that the immigration was still Dawn Raiding people. They're still doing it. Still it? doing it. It's, just, it's, it's shameful, um, you know, acknowledging that Tongan dad who got, who got raided. So that's disgraceful. It's 2023. We already prioritised for the for uh, for the dawn raise, yet it's still happening there as well. So that's does, can I just ask though? Does that render the apology a bit empty, or is it is it, is it just slackness on the government's part? Uh, I, I I think more needed to be more needed to be done. So I was at I was at the town hall for the for the dawn raids apology, and I was for me it was it was emotional for all of us. But um, I'm also mindful of my parents' generation, our parents' generation. So that was about them, you know, when we were in the hall. And, uh, and I remember um, the Tongan princess, uh, Princess Melesiwa Siwili Katapu, her words really resonated uh, with me as, uh, as, as well. So I think more needed to be done, but I just want to, I think it's important to acknowledge something happened. And that's a good thing as well. So the amnesty for overstays, I think that was definitely um, something that, that needed to happen as well. But also the other thing, and I'm not sure, sure people realise that, because as we and the Greens were pushing for an apology for the Dawn Raids, other people were, were reaching out to me, uh, Samoan, uh, people that I know, saying, hey, look, uh, there's also this racist piece of legislation that's still on the books, uh, the Western Samoa Citizenship Act, um, and the bit of history around that was Fale Ma'i Alessa, and I um, managed to talk with her and her, her family, and people were reaching out to me and going, hey, look, you know, while you're apologising for the dawn rise, how about getting rid of this? She was an overstayer, but she took a case which went all the way to the Privy Council, which was like, actually, I'm not an overstayer, I'm actually a citizen of New Zealand, and she won. She won that case. It was so important. She won that case. So all of a sudden, there were a whole lot of people from Samoa that were eligible for New Zealand citizenship. And then the government of the day took away those rights. 
just took away those rights. It's disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. What, yeah, that, when was that? It was in the 80s. Um, and so I, but having that piece of legislation still on the books is not cool. I reckon we need to get, to get rid of it. But also um, recognising that there is a generation uh, that is still here, that still remembers that. Um, so the bill that I put in the, put in the ballot is about acknowledging that, repealing that act, but also um, setting up a pathway, if they want, for that elderly generation to get their citizenship. Do you sort of feel out other parties to see if they would be willing to support it? Um, yes, I did. I reached out to all of the political parties. Actually, I, I had a meeting with the, with the now uh, Minister for Pacific Peoples, Minister Barbara Edmonds, and I outlined, outlined everything to do with the, with the, with the members' bill, um, with the idea that she would take it to her caucus to see if they would support it or not. And I've had chats with, with, the, with the National Party as well. Um, it, for me, it just seems to make sense that if we are going to be uh, more fulsome in terms of our addressing uh, the Dawn Raids era, we need to sort of close off a number of things. Yeah, mm. And we're here in Samoa at the moment. I mean, there would be people, plenty of communities who had to, you know, someone in their family affected by that. Yes, um, well, there is, I mean, it's a generational generational thing. We did a bit of research as well and they reckon there's probably around less than, less than 5,000 uh, um, but I, I think it's incumbent on the New Zealand Parliament, New Zealand Government to sort it out because that legislation is on our books not on the, not on the Samoan legislative books. That was Green Party MP Tia Nautuyono speaking with Johnny Blades from the House. It's uncertain whether Tuyono's members bill will get a first reading before this Parliament term finishes. But it will have its day, and he was hopeful of gaining the support of other parties. To rugby, where the formidable flying Fijians took down Japan, 35-12, to to secure a clean sweep at the final game of the Pacific Nations Cup in front of a packed crowd at Tokyo's Prince Chichibu Stadium on Saturday. Fiji were already certain of wrapping up a sixth Pacific Nations Cup title before the match. Samoa, who beat Japan in Sapporo in round one, finished second with the Brave Blossoms third and winless Tonga last. However, Ikaletahi head coach Dotai Gefu still feels his side can turn things around and be competitive at the upcoming Rugby World Cup. The Tonga national rugby side lost all their matches to Fiji, Japan and Samoa. Elias Satora was at Apia Park and filed this report. Disappointed. That was Kefu's response when he was asked what he thought of his team's performance in the 34-9 loss to Manu Samoa at Apia Park on Saturday. But he said the, the team still has time to turn things around, especially with the caliber of players he has in his squad. We had four or five injuries not here, so those players are back home. Um, and we'll see, we might have picked up a couple more injuries after this, so that's probably going to be the biggest concern for us moving forward. They can gel, it just takes time. You know, you need, you need weeks, months and games, so um, that's a, always a massive challenge for Tier 2 because we don't, we don't have that. Winning set pieces is a must that he and his players will have to work on after they fail miserably in that at the weekend. You know, we didn't get quite get uh, the quality of ball we wanted off our set piece. It's quite tight still at half time. 
Um, but, um, you know, there's a few things we did poorly in the first half. Um, and, and the game was there to be taken in the second half. But, you know, Samoa just had way more energy than us. Um, you know, their set piece seemed to... They got good launch off their set piece. Um, and we struggled to, to, to keep up with them. Meanwhile, his Manu Samoa opposite Selala Mapusua feels they are on the right track as they build up to the world meet. The Manu Samoans defeated Japan, lost to Fiji and recovered to win their last Pacific Nations Cup game against Tonga last Saturday. I think, I think um, it's, we've been tested uh, and that's what it's, international uh, matches are for. And, um, I wouldn't say it's all smooth sailing but um, I, I feel like we're definitely uh, sticking to the plan. And, Captain Michael Alalatoa said they will need to improve before they meet Chile in Bordeaux on September 16th in their first Pool D clash. Uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, uh, you know, it was by no means a perfect game. You know, we, we still know that we have a lot of growth left in us, but in saying that, you know, we put a, especially in that second half, we put a performance that. We know our people can be proud of, so um, there's a lot to be proud of, but at the same time, there's a lot to work on. Uh, you know, once we, once the team gets to walk up, you know, we, we won't be able to uh, to give away those those penalties that we gave away in the first half and, and still stay in the game. So it's a lot, it's a lot there for us. Tonga and Samoa now head into warm-up matches before they fly to France for the World Cup. The Flying Fijians, who won the Pacific Nations Cup after the victory over Japan last Saturday night in Tokyo, will also be looking at naming their squad this week. Last week, Tonga recorded its second lowest temperature ever at 9.3 degrees Celsius. According to Tonga Meteorological Services, the lowest temperature recorded in the country was 8.7 degrees Celsius in September 1994. The near-record low temperature was so chilly that residents were walking around with beanies, scarves and puffer jackets. Niwa meteorologist Ben Knoll spoke to RNZ national presenter Jesse Mulligan about what's happening to the normally warm and tropical Pacific. Much of this year, New Zealanders, Kiwis, we've been accustomed to the tropics kind of coming down to us, be it in the form of humidity or tropical downpours or extropical cyclones. Well, the, the script has been flipped. And we're now donating our mid-latitude chilly <laughs> southerly air masses up toward the tropics. So uh, the same fronts that have come up our shores have managed to push northward into the Pacific Islands. And that has culminated, as you just described, in some very chilly temperatures for the time of year. Uh, now, for the average New Zealander, a, a, a daytime temperature of 22 degrees, which is what it was in Tangatapu yesterday, might not sound so bad. So it's all relative. But of course, if you're used to high 20s and you get 22 instead, then it feels pretty chilly. Yeah, team at RNZ Pacific report locals walking around in beanies, scarves and puffer jackets, not the usual apparel you're used to seeing in the islands. Um, why does it uh, happen so infrequently? I see the latest, uh, rather the most recent temperature uh, along these lines was back 30 years ago. Um, so is it cyclical? Is it just a kind of a once in a blue moon thing? Why now? 
Yeah, well, you brought up an interesting year, 1994, when you were talking about the records earlier. Uh, and what we have right now building in the climate system, many folks have probably heard, is El Nino. El Nino tends to bring more high pressure to the Tasman Sea. And around the periphery of that high pressure, we get these cold southerly air masses moving up New Zealand and then into the Pacific Islands. So probably a lot of those colder temperature extremes do happen from time to time during El Nino years. Uh, the last couple of years, we've had La Nina. That has meant very warm air temperatures and sea temperatures, not just in, in the Pacific, near New Zealand as well. So it does kind of ebb and flow, uh, but these colder temperature extremes are, are likely linked to that developing El Nino in the climate system. How long can Tonga and neighbouring Pacific Islands expect the cold weather to continue? Yeah, look, as I look ahead to the late week period, it is going to get awfully chilly. I think the western part of the Pacific Islands, New Caledonia, Vanuatu, uh, perhaps Fiji, uh, Papua New Guinea, the Solomon Islands, later this week into the weekend, that is where the kind of the center focus of some of the chillier readings are going to be. So uh, Tonga might get a bit of a reprieve, but the chilly air will be found further west. So watch this space. It just occurred to me that I saw a few news stories last week about the Tongan volcano and that's um, potential effects on weather this year and on um, climate conditions. Is that something you're across and where are we at with that Tongan volcano and the impact it might be having? Yeah, so it did release quite a bit of a lot of a lot of water vapor into the stratosphere. And of course, water vapor is a potent greenhouse gas. So uh, what that can actually do over time, over the course of a couple of years, is actually raise the, the temperature um, by maybe several tenths of a degree. So uh, per, perhaps it's tied to some of the global temperature extremes that we, we have been experiencing. We have the building El Nino. Uh, we have this eruption um, that, that took place uh, some time ago now. And we have the effect of climate change. Uh, also kind of working the background and kind of those three things put together um, probably are, are, are leading to, uh, you know, warmer temperatures than we'd otherwise have if you only had just kind of one of those puzzle pieces put together or on the table. So uh, it's part of the bigger picture probably with some of the, the high heat extremes that have been occurring across the northern hemisphere. That's Pacific Waves for today. Don't forget you can listen back on rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, so far so far.